beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ. This uh, section that we come to here in Ephesians 3 is the Apostle Paul praying for the church at Ephesus. And it's instructive to us because through these verses 14 through 21, Paul reveals the things that he prays for with regards to the church. And prayer is probably the hardest thing that we do as the people of God. Prayer is probably the thing that we're most disobedient at doing. That we don't pray or that when we pray, we don't even know what we're praying for. Now, realize that was in the life of the disciples as well. To read in Luke chapter 11, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. Now, it's instructive to us as a model prayer and how it is organized. That the first thing that Jesus tells them is that when you pray, pray like this, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The first thing that ought to be of importance to us when we come to the Lord in prayer, is that we regard God's name as holy. That He would be honored and glorified in our prayer. Now you recognize that if we're not people of the Word of God, we're going to have a difficulty in our prayer life. We're going to have a difficulty because if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And the will that He's speaking about there is the will of God, the Word of God, the revealed will of God. We do not know what the secret will of God is, but we know God's revealed will. And we are to pray in accordance with that which is revealed to us. So, as the people of God, we're to be a praying people. And it's difficult, I think, because we can get lazy and we can be those that are involved in all other things and not even, it's an afterthought about prayer. It's probably, as I said, the hardest spiritual discipline in the lives of most of the people of God. So we've got to be vigilant then with regards to prayer. You'll notice in the book of Acts that they speak about an hour of prayer that they gathered together. You know, you've heard me say this before, get a time that you pray. It may be early in the morning. It may be later at night, it, depending on where you work, when you work, the hours, you know, our, our hours different, our time differs. We have different schedules of things. But if you don't have a time, ordinarily you're not going to pray. You're not going to be serious in your prayer. So setting aside a, a specific time that you come before the Lord is going to be a help to you to make sure that you are a person of prayer. That's what you find in the scriptures. An hour of prayer that they had. The church also struggles because um, there are different factors. Satan attacks a praying church. So the more the church is in prayer, you find the more turbulence that will happen in the life of the church. Satan comes against a praying church. Satan comes against praying Christians. We also have a difficulty with regards to the sovereignty of God. We have an idea that God is sovereign, and therefore, since God is sovereign, why pray? God is going to do what He wants to do. Well, beloved, God calls us to be a people of prayer. We pray because it's commanded of us. We are to be a thankful people in prayer. We are to be continually a people in prayer. 
We are to come to the throne of grace continually, boldly, knowing that we are covered and clothed with the righteous robes of Christ, and we can enter in to the Holy of Holies. We can come to that throne of grace, casting all of our cares upon Him, and knowing that God cares for us. What a blessing that we have to be a people of prayer, and then God grants us peace uh, that gives us Uh, a a tranquility in the soul, as it were, as we cast all of these problems, cares, and difficulties upon Him. Uh, We are forfeiting much peace in our lives by not being a praying people. Uh, So we have that that goes on. We have also the prayers that are unanswered. And God always answers prayers. It's either yes or it's no. He either grants you your request, or he doesn't. It doesn't say wait, it doesn't say maybe, it's either yes or no. It either is or it isn't. And so, because God doesn't answer our prayers, we grow faint, but yet we're told to always be a people of prayer. To pray always. It's all kinds of things that we ought to be praying for. And because of that, it's good to have a list. It's good to write things down. How often you forget. We forget. We're forgetful people. That's why we're to remember the Lord's Day. Remember the Sabbath day uh, to keep it hallowed. To keep it remaining holy. A day that's set apart for the corporate worship of the church. Because we easily forget. And so we're to be reminded of this again and again in the life of the church. Now, when it comes to prayer, and you find there are many things here instructive to us about what to pray for with regards to the church of Jesus Christ. Paul gives us numerous things that you can incorporate into your prayer. And beloved, it's a good thing to use the prayers that are in Scripture themselves And model your prayers after them. Take out the things that are there. And pray those specific things in the life of this congregation. You find examples of prayer in the psalm. Think about Psalm 86. There's a prayer of David. Pray that psalm. You find prayers throughout the psalms. Uh, You find in the gospels there are prayers. In the epistles there are prayers. You find prayers in the old covenant. They're everywhere in scripture. Use those to model of what you are praying for and even how you pray. Look at the life of Daniel. Read the book of Daniel and see how Daniel prayed three times a day. He was a godly man. He was a man who desired to be in prayer. said of Martin Luther one time that he would pray two or three hours a day. Somebody asked him, you know, you've got so much to do. How could you pray so long? And he said, I pray so long because I have so much to do. And he was pulling and drawing strength from the Lord himself. And so the church of Christ has always been a praying church. You find that uh, throughout the book of Acts. The church prays in the upper room, prayed when Peter was in prison, praying for all types of things uh, that went in the life of the church. And so we ought to do the same thing. Now let me ask you, how is your prayer life? You know, the, the, the life of prayer is a barometer of your spiritual life, the lack thereof, or the diligence in prayer. If you're not a praying person, or if you're a person that is very short on prayer, so you have a couple of things that you launch up to the Lord, 
and that's it. Or you have the mindset, hey, God is great, God is good, let us thank Him for this food. Amen, we're done, prayer done for the day. Then you're, you're, you're very weak spiritually. At best, you're very weak spiritually. Jesus spent all night in prayer. We are to be conformed into the image of Christ. We are to be a praying people. That ought to increase. I wouldn't say to you, pray at night. Because I know how we are. The, there's a desire to pray, but the, the body is weak. And so you get ready to pray and you fall asleep, right? You wake up in the morning and you go through it the next day. I mean, you've got to make a change. You've got to realize that it's not prudent for me to be praying when I'm tired right at the end of the day. That's not my best time to pray. Maybe I should get up earlier. Maybe I'll have a time of prayer in the morning. Maybe when it's quiet, before the kids get up, before anybody else is up, maybe I'll get up 10, 15 minutes earlier so I can pray. Just think about this. There's probably some of you that are groaning already inside. Really? Get up 10 minutes earlier just for prayer? I mean, that shows the state of our heart, doesn't it? What could be better than that? Yourself a cup of coffee, get up and spend some time with the Lord before you run off during the day to do your thing and come home, fall asleep and go through the same routine and then have this loaded down, you have this guilt in your soul that I haven't done these things. And I know that I ought to do these things. Make some changes, beloved. Make a change. I used to have a farmer in my congregation. Fall asleep all the time. Now I understood, you know, I mean, you go out, he's work, he's active all day long and you know, he come and he sits down and he gets tired, he falls asleep. Well, certain times of year when you're out swatting hay and next thing you know, it's early in the morning, you come home and you get ready to come to worship. You sit down and, and you know, chin's on the chest. I understand. But you know, good night. Do something about it. Stand up in the back. Yeah, you probably won't fall asleep if you're standing up. Sit right here in the front and so everybody can see your head nodding and you're conscious about it. So you won't do that. It'll be something that helps you. You know, do something, beloved. That's what we need to do. We need to realize. That we need to make some changes in our lives. And so Paul is saying uh, when he prays for the, the, the believers there at Ephesus, notice in our text this morning, beginning in verse 14, he says, for this reason. All right. That's the first question, right? For what reason? Why is it that Paul is bowing his knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? What is the purpose of this prayer? Well, you always want to see the context in the immediate context. Now, you could say that he's praying for the whole of the church of Jesus Christ. And there's some legitimacy in that. Paul prayed for the churches. He prayed for other believers. But there is an immediate context of what Paul is praying for. Why he is praying the way that he prays for the believers at Ephesus. Now, notice, starting at verse 11, he says, According to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. You see, the immediate context is Paul's tribulation in his life. And he's going through the tribulation and he is he's instructing the uh, Christians at Ephesus not to grow weary. To be a people of prayer and to understand that even suffering is part of God's will for us in this life. 
People die. People get sick. We can become discouraged. And Paul is encouraging us not to grow weak and weary because such things are going to happen in this world. Jesus said that we are going to have tribulation. Paul said, oh, those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer tribulation. It is going to happen. Don't lose heart. Be a person of prayer. There's a lot of peace that we often forfeit and needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. We're not a people of prayer. We're not bringing it before the Lord. And therefore we have no peace and we have uh, much pain that goes on within the soul. A grieving that happens in the soul. Beloved, you can't do anything about it. There's things that you just simply can't do anything about it. What are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to worry? You're going to be a worry wart? You're going to moan and groan about things that you can't change? Be a person of prayer. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Cast it upon the Lord. I can't change people's minds. I can't change the way that people think about anything. God alone does that. I can't change the way that you feel about this or that. You know, some of you might not like my pink tie. Well, I feel sorry for you. But I can't change that. I can't make you feel differently about that. That's ultimately the Lord's doing. The Lord changes the way that we think about things. The way that we view things. Take it to the Lord in prayer. It's easy to get angry about things. And yet it does nothing. It doesn't change the condition. God is the one who is the changer of the heart. God is the one who changes the mind of individuals. So be a person of prayer. Be diligent in your prayer. And when there is suffering and trials and difficulties and death... Take it to the Lord in prayer. Trying to bear burdens the Lord has never intended you for you to bear. We're going to roll it upon Him. So for this reason, Paul says, for these tribulations, he's wanting to strengthen and encourage the church. Do you need strengthening this morning? I need strengthening. As a matter of fact, I'm finding out as a Christian, as I move on in this life more and more, that I need more and more strengthening that only the Lord can provide. It's not the physical strengthening I'm talking about. It's the spiritual fortitude. It's the spiritual strength within the soul. Uh, that causes you to firm up and stand strong even when the wind blows hard against the church. And so we come to the Lord for that strength. And beloved, we ought to be praying for one another these particular things that Paul mentions here in this prayer for one another. We ought to be praying for the church. For instance, next Sunday after worship service, we're going to have a prayer meeting. Now we've been doing this for a number of months. And I can't make you come. I can't convince you to come. I'm not going to do the dog and pony show to try to convince you to come. You know, hey, you know, pastor's going to stand on his hands and he's going to walk through the basement and come down and check it. You either desire to come or you don't. I can't change that desire. Who can? The Lord can change the desire. So those that come to the prayer meeting, we usually have about 25 to 35 that show up. We ought to be praying for those that are not in attendance, that they would come and they would be involved. Because I'm not going to cajole you. I'm not going to convince you. I can't change your mind on the matter. God alone can do that. And so we pray that God does that. 
simply reading the Word of God. You know that that's our spiritual food. I can't force you. I can't take your face and squash it, although I sometimes want to, but I can't squash your face into the book. You've got to read it. You have got to be fed. You've got to feed yourself up on God's Word. I can't change the disposition of your heart with regards to the time that you are in God's Word. God alone can do that. And so I pray. I pray that the Lord would give you a hunger, a greater hunger, because it only is going to be for the glory of God. And I don't have to say, if that be God's will. That is God's will. It's God's will that His Word dwell in us richly. I don't have to ask about that being the will of God. I know that that's God's will, and that's what I pray. Lord, bring that to pass in the life of your people. It's praying in accordance with Scripture. If we ask anything in accordance with His Word, He hears us. All right, so Paul then bows the knees. Well, I know some of you are already thinking, well, we don't have kneeling benches in our pews. Why don't we bow the knees? Be careful in taking one verse of Scripture and making a full-out doctrine. That's what the cults do. Now, Paul may have been kneeling down. We find in Acts chapter 20 that he kneels on the beach with the elders at Ephesus, and they prayed. We find Jesus standing and praying. We find David in the temple dedicating it to the Lord, sitting to pray. We find the Lord Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane prostrate on His face, praying to His Father in heaven. We find Paul praying on a ship. You find people praying in a cave. You find all kinds of prayers that are in the Scriptures, and you find all kinds of positions that are are spoken of in Scripture itself. So there's not one posture, understand? Paul is simply saying it was his practice that he bowed his knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was a, was a godly man, and that was his practice. Traditionally, it is said of James, who wrote the book of James, his nickname was Old Camel Knees. I don't know if you've ever read that before, but he was named that because his knees had been calloused from being on them so much in prayer. Would that be on our tombstones? Here lies Old Camel Knees. That shames us, doesn't it? Do even when you hear that, what does it do within your soul? Do you find that odd? Is it strange to you? Why would he pray so much that his knees would become callous? That shames us. It shames us as a people of prayer. And so Paul is just speaking here of his practice. But he noticed that he bows his knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, is it ever legitimate to to pray for to Christ? Is it ever legitimate to pray to the Holy Spirit? Is it only prayer to the Father? Now, what you find ordinarily in the Trinitarian prayer is that we pray by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, Romans chapter 8, through the intercessory work of Christ to the Father. Father is the initiator. The Son is the one who implements. And you find the work of the Holy Spirit in sanctifying the believer. But it's not inappropriate. Again, it's not inappropriate to pray to the Son. Because Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all fully God. 
So there is one God, but all three persons of the Godhead are fully God in substance. And it is not sin, it is not idolatry to pray to the Lord Jesus Christ. There are prayers in the book of Acts that are addressed to the Lord Jesus Christ. There are those that are prayed to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit come, addressing particularly the Holy Spirit. The the member of the Trinity, the third member of the Trinity. So again, ordinarily it's through the work of the Spirit, uh, intercessory, uh, all the benefits of Christ imputed to us, to the Father, but not necessarily uh, is, there, is it wrong to pray to the Son or to the Holy Spirit. Understand that. So, I often pray to Jesus. I often pray to the Holy Spirit. I often, I mean, I ask the Holy Spirit to fill me. The Holy Spirit to work within me. The Holy Spirit, cause your fruit to flow through me. Directly to the Holy Spirit. I pray to the Holy Spirit, enlighten my eyes that I might see the wondrous things in your word. I pray to the Lord Jesus Christ for comfort, for a reminder of the wonder of the gospel. That Christ has accomplished all the righteous requirements of the law in my place. Remind me, Lord, by your spirit, by your word, remind me daily. To remember the gospel. So that I don't become a Pharisee. So that I don't begin thinking that you accept me because of something that I have done. And I lose sight of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. So Paul prays in this way. And he says this in verse 15. It's from whom, from the Lord Jesus, the whole family in heaven and on earth is named. Now here you have the church triumphant and you have the church militant. And he's speaking about believers. We have the family name. We are children of the living God. We have been brought into the household of faith. And Paul is praying for the church. I don't think he's praying here specifically for the whole of the church. He's just simply mentioning that the whole family of God is named as such because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he starts in verse 15 or verse 16 to really get into Uh, the particulars of his prayer. Notice what he says. He prayed that God would grant you, uh, grant, give, didomai is the Greek term there, to give to you according to the riches of his glory. So it's according to something in God himself. Beloved, you know, we all know, we are worthy and deserving of damnation. And even the best works of the saints deserve damnation because sin is still within the soul. And so God, according to the riches of His glory, for His namesake, for His exaltation, that He would be exalted in the church, He gives and He provides for and He gives to His church abundantly. God gives us richly all things to enjoy. I mentioned this in Sunday school this morning. Your desire to leave this world and to be in heaven. Is, is that your sole desire to be in heaven? Because that is not what we are called to seek. We are called to seek Christ. We are called to keep our eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result, we are those that are given heaven. But the pearl of great price is Jesus Christ. 
Keep your eye on the prize, beloved. Keep on looking on to Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And all the other things are added unto you. The prize is Christ. To have Him is to have heaven. To have Him is to have righteousness. To have Him is to have reconciliation. To have Him is to have forgiveness. To have Him is to be one who is headed for a kingdom whose builder and maker is God and that what flows in that kingdom is all of righteousness. That's because of Jesus. So God, according to the riches of His glory, His glory is rich. God is glorious. God is wondrous in glory. This is what Paul prays. That the church would be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. So, first thing, he's going to get into more as we, uh, Lord willing, uh, carry on through this portion of Ephesians 3. But he says to be strengthened. How many of us need to be strengthened? We all need to be strengthened. We all need a spiritual fortitude. You know when things come to your mind, something happens, and as soon as it hits your ears, all of a sudden it's like you have a lack of faith. That you begin to look at your circumstances rather than the God who providentially is ruling those circumstances. And I'm right there with you. I understand this. I know how difficult this is in this fallen world. That is why we ought to be praying for this spiritual strength. It's the inner strength. This is not the gymnasium and you're over there building, your bodybuilding, pumping iron. It's not what it's speaking of here. It's the spiritual strength of heart. It's the ability to withstand in the time and the days of trouble. The evil days, as the Apostle Paul refers to. Being able to stand, Ephesians 6, and have done all to stand. Stand, therefore, girding yourself with the full armor of God. We need the strength of God to be able to do that. Now, how often do you pray for that strength for yourself and for other believers? Isn't it often we're in the trivial? It's not that we're not praying, but we're praying for trivial things. We want more of the earthly things than we want of the heavenly things. Think about your prayer. Examine your prayer. Think about the things that you present to the Lord. Are they heavenly minded or are they earthly comforts? Now again, I'm not against the earthly comforts. Don't leave this morning saying he's against praying for our meal and stuff. I didn't say that. Prioritize, beloved. The day that you're on your deathbed, you're not going to be asking for a happy meal. You are going to want the spiritual strength that God alone can give. Because your next breath may be your last breath. And then what? And then where? That's the question, right? And then where? I've seen a lot of people die over the last 20 years. I, I've done a lot of funerals. And I've been in nursing homes and I've seen the look on people's faces when they departed this life. I've seen the smiles and I've seen the grimaces. And I'll tell you, I, 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 don't, know, I don't know what to say about that. But it's terrifying to those who have either they are not in Christ or they have absolutely no assurance of salvation and the day of death comes and the expression on their faith as the soul departs. 
It is almost as if they saw something that terrified them when their soul left. Prioritize. The body is falling to the earth. The outward man is perishing. The inward man is being renewed day by day. I may look older than I did two years ago. But the inward man is renewing. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we pray for because there's going to come a day. Surgeries aren't going to fix it. There's going to come a day. The medication can do nothing. There's going to come a day where you're going to want more morphine because of the pain. It's going to come for all of us, beloved. This body is falling over. It's like a tree being chopped down, right? And splinters are going off every day. And you know, it's just a matter of time before this thing comes down. But the inward man is being renewed. And so we need strength of spirit when we go through the times of difficulty. Do you not need strength when you go through temptation? Do you not pray that the Lord would give you strength to endure and not give in? I need that. I'm no different than you. You need that as well. I need that. I understand that. What about when you go through a trying time in your life? A difficult time where it just seems like the Lord is not hearing you, what Martin Luther called the dark night of the soul. What do you do? Do you not need the strength then? The strength to be able to pray when you think that the Lord is not even hearing your prayers. Do you pray for that strength? This needs to be incorporated into our life of prayer. And beloved, we need to pray this for one another. Here's the example, Paul praying for the church at Ephesus. How often, I've said this numerous times, how often have you taken the church directory and prayed for the people on one page and then the next day pray for the next and the next and work your way through the directory thinking in your mind's eye about what an individual is going through. Maybe they're difficult. Maybe you know. Maybe you don't know. It really doesn't matter. You're able to pray in a general way, Lord, strengthen them. Whatever they're dealing with, whatever the difficulty, give them strength. Because God alone is the one who strengthens the soul. So according to this richness, give me the strength. Strengthened with might uh, against suffering, against trials, against tribulation, against difficulty, misunderstanding, gossip, slander, all the other things. Strengthen me, Lord, to be able to move through all of these difficulties for your honor and glory. Strengthen me to receive your providence. The things that come upon me that I don't understand. Is there not a lot of those things in our lives? A lot of things we go through, I have no idea. People would ask me, why am I going through such? I don't know. I can tell you in a general way that God is working this to conform you into the image of Christ. And He often brings us to the woodshed, isn't it? He often brings us out into the tool shop. And he's got all kinds of things to pull off the shelf to mold, to shape, and to chip us away. And that's what he's going to do. And sometimes it hurts deeply. And I could say that even in the depth of the most uh, difficult pain that you suffer, God is making you into the image of Christ. He is forming and fashioning your life so that you will say, if I live, I live to the Lord. If I die, I die to the Lord. If I live or die, I am the Lord's. 
That all things are working together for good to those who love the Lord. God has promised to conform me to the image of Christ. I don't know how he is doing this. But I know that God cannot lie. And that he is doing a work. Strengthen me, Lord. Grant me that strength in the inner man. That with might, with power, with dunamis is what it is. That fortitude, that strength, that vigor. That I might be strengthened in the, by the Holy Spirit in the inner man. And so this, beloved, again, is a call back to the Word. You come back to the Word is where the Holy Spirit does His work. This is the workshop. You understand? This is the workshop. This is the mind renewal. This is the putting off and the putting on. This is discerning the things of the heart. This is the confidence. This is where we have assurance of salvation. This is our spiritual growth is the Word of God. Back to the Word. Teaching how to pray. Teaching what boldness is. Teaching us those things that need to be incorporated into our prayer. It is always the ministry of the Spirit through the Word. When we neglect the Word, we're neglecting our life of prayer. When we neglect the Word, we're neglecting our own sanctification. I mentioned this in Sunday school. It's, it's worthy to be mentioned again. I think today in our day and age, we have an idea of sanctification that is unbiblical. Now, I'm not saying not to do particular spiritual virtues, exercises. Good things, things we need to be involved in. But let me tell you something, beloved. If you're not approaching it with the right attitude... It is not going to work to the softening of your heart, but only the hardening of your heart. When you think all I've got to do is check the boxes, you're not doing it with the right spirit, with the right attitude. But I'm saying this, that our growth in grace, our growth in the knowledge of God, is not our doing, doing, doing more and better. It is beholding Jesus. And as I behold Him... The Spirit of the, of the living God is working within my soul, forming and fashioning the way that I think after the image of Christ. The disciples, the Pharisees had said that they had been with Jesus. They were speaking like Christ. Moses came down to the mountain. He was glowing from being in the presence of God Almighty. So it is with us as believers. As we behold in the mirror the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed. Metamorphosis. Metamorpho. The transformation is taking place. What's happening? I'm being filled with the Word and the Spirit. I'm thinking differently about things. I'm thinking in a godly manner. I'm thinking Christ's thoughts after Him. That's sanctification. That's the Christianizing of the Christian. And as the inside of the cup and dish is cleansed, the outward then will become clean. That's not me manufacturing. That's not me doing the outside so the inside could be. No, it's the Spirit doing the work on the inside that translates into different behavior. You change the mind, you change the action. Do we not need actions changed? We need mind renewal, beloved. It's not you doing more and trying harder. It's looking to Jesus. He is our sanctification. 1 Corinthians 1. 
He is our sanctification, our justification, our glorification. Paul said in Ephesians 4, Christ is our all in all. The Catechism says when you have Christ, you have all that is necessary unto your salvation. The writer of the Hebrews says, keep on looking unto Jesus, the author, the finisher, lest you get weary and discouraged in your souls. It's there, beloved. It's looking to Him. And like Him, we become. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into His wondrous face. The things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. The things of the earth are eclipsed by the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray for yourself. Pray for one another. Pray for me. Pray for the strength inwardly to be able to stand firm against the wiles of the devil in the life and the day in which we live. Pray for one another. Keep your, your, your face, beloved, in the Scriptures so that you know how to pray and you are convinced and motivated to pray. Because that's what the Scriptures do. They are like, it's like somebody passing out and you do CPR. It's pushing on the chest to get the lungs pumping. This is what the Scriptures do. When you're in the Word of God, it spiritually pushes on you to be a person of prayer. You see the prayers there, and then you, just like the Apostle Paul, giving doxologies, you, you leap into prayer. You pray, Lord, give me strength. Man, am I stupid. Lord, help me. Encourage me. Build me up. Grant me that assurance. Work in me. Make me like Jesus. Don't turn away from the Word. Be a person of prayer. Cultivate the prayers of the Bible so that you know what to pray for. And pray for one another, beloved. We are called as a church to be people of prayer. This brings God glory and it brings peace to our hearts. Amen. Shall we pray?